Can you hear me over there? Yeah, I can hear you. Welcome to another episode of Steph's Status Update. It's Movies That Made Me Again, and I'm joined by another guest from overseas. It's Harvey. Harvey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, what's going on? Like he said, I'm Harvey Baguere, um, 47-year-old father of four, and I stay at home with them. And I've got my own podcast talking about men's inner monologue, getting vulnerable, opening up and talking about our struggles. But right now, we're going to talk about something a little less serious. So let's go. <laughs> All right. Okay. We decided on a bunch of movies. And we always start with the one that isn't necessarily the worst one, but it's the one that we want to start with. And we usually end with the one that's the, the, the best movie out of all five. So right. you, kick, you kick it off. Your first movie was The Sandlot. Tell me a little bit about it. I am an anomaly as a black male whose favorite sport is baseball. Okay. I love baseball. I always have. And growing up, I used to watch it. My team was terrible, but I watched it anyway. But there's been tons of movies made about this sport because it's America's pastime. It's, you know, a lot of this country's history is wrapped around baseball. But there's one particular movie that epitomizes what baseball is. And baseball is a sport. It's a game. And it's kids playing it. And nothing epitomizes baseball's relationship with kids, in particular boys, than the Sandlot. And that's what this movie's about. Okay. I know when we was talking before, I I remember I've seen this movie. I just can't for the life of me. Because it's one of the movies that I've seen a long time ago, probably seen again recently, but just kind of had it on in the background. But I do remember little bits and pieces of it, especially when they're obviously playing baseball. Um, it's a kind of, I feel like it's a bit of a sort of a slight coming of age kind of movie. Definitely. Um, there's a Definitely. lot of messages in it. It's not completely obvious. You don't get like an obvious message every single scene, but um, right. it's quite funny the way the kids um, navigate their own little universe compared to the adults in the movie. And one of my favorite act- actors in it as well, um, who's in it, is James Earl Jones, who plays right. the... I think he plays... He's like that character. He's like the old man that lives in the house that nobody talks to, sort of. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's he's in there for a little while, but he has an important part. Yeah. As usual with James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones not there for, like, the insignificance. He's there for, like, five, ten minutes, and it's a worthy <laughs> five to ten minutes. Okay. So tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me a little bit about the, the scene that you picked... So the reason I like this movie, aside from us showing kids playing baseball, it's really boys growing up, really the coming of age that you were talking about, but a bunch of boys and how we're dumb and dumb jokes and whatever, but we're also growing up. So we got these guys and walk around and now it's time, it's summer, we're going to the pool, go hang out with everybody, go pee in the pool and do whatever. (laughs) But there's also the hot girl there. The lifeguard, yeah. Wendy Peppercorn, I believe her name is. Yeah. And all those, they're a bunch of 12, 13-year-old boys who have been ogling her and they're like, oh my God, I'm in love with her and I want to kiss with her. And being such smart teen or preteen boys that we are, one of them, I think it's Squints, comes up with the idea to get a kiss from her. Mm. And he fakes some trauma and it leads to this. <laughs> all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this scene. There you go. Come on, Squinch, you can do it! Pull through, bud! Come 
on, man, come on! Yeah, yeah, he looks pretty crappy. Squints! Come on, man! Oh, God, he looks like a dead fish. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you've seen this movie, even if you haven't seen the movie, that bit, he's he's getting mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation from Wendy Peppercorn. Yeah. It, I mean, now, that would be not cool. But, oh, no, it's not cool at all. But um, mm -hmm. it's the way that he tricks her into giving him mouth-to-mouth -mouth and he, he then starts kissing her. And, like, that, that kind of sums up some of what happens. Obviously, it's not all about that, but the kind of hijinks and craziness that these boys get up to when they're on the um, baseball diamond or, or even off it. I think aside from the obvious reasons, what's good about it is that there are little messages. Basically, the story starts with this kid moving into the neighborhood. He's moving in with his mother and stepfather. Yeah. So the underlying theme is this kind of relationship with his stepfather. The budding relationship, the other stuff, this he's not very, he, I don't know, he's not particularly friendly, so it's hard for him to make friends. Yeah. He loves baseball, but he's not good at it. That's it. We're boys. We want to do stuff, but we're not good. We don't think we're cool enough to hang out with the cool kids and all that, but then they embrace it, and then he becomes, and then they have a summer adventure, and they kind of wrap up the movie like that. Eventually, somebody moves away, somebody moves away, but he remembers that summer, and that's what it is with kids. We don't have, our lives aren't the best growing up, but we have moments. We have specific experiences that kind of stick with us, mm -hmm. because the end movie, he ends up becoming like a baseball announcer and the kid who's a really good player and there becomes an actual baseball player all and right. he's calling the game. So it's all this callback to all these things that happened to him. And really, for him, it really created or framed the kind of person he would end up being. Yeah. And that's it. Kids are experiences. And when you put baseball into it, it's just hard to forget. I can't remember the year that film came out. I can't remember how old it was, it was when I first saw it. But um, there are some characters in it that I recognize and I was Googling some of them as to who they are and what they're doing now. But I found that one of the characters in particular, he was in, he might've been oh, in People Under the Stairs as well. I could be way off on that one, but I swear he's in that movie. But that's where, that's where I've seen him from. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm searching, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on YouTube now, just having a quick look, trying to think, am I getting this right? Am I getting this right? But if oh, I- Oh, wait a minute. His, if, yeah, go on. Okay, I'm confused. Is his name Brandon or is he Kenny in the movie? He's Brandon Adams. That's his name. Yeah, Brandon Quint. I kept looking up. <laughs> that's why I couldn't find anything. I'm, I'm looking up the character's name. I mean, a lot of, I mean, the movie is cult classic and it still, it still works with us. Yeah. But a few of the lines stick. Like a few people, you know, you know, you're killing me, Smalls. That stuff like that still resides. That kid who says that can go anywhere. <laughs> and say that and that's like his calling card he's basically got a tiktok account that is pretty much associated with that Seriously. that movie has moments lines great stuff that you never forget and it is yes i'm right it is people people um under the stairs okay he's in that okay. he, he just looks a little he's got more hair in in that particular movie but okay. um, if you ever get okay. around to it or Google it, I may have actually seen it. I like a good horror movie, but it's been yeah. it, so yeah. I may have seen it, just didn't recognize it. Yeah, it's one of those ones that kind of creeps you up. <laughs> That's the way a horror movie should be, man. <laughs> you should be uncomfortable watching it, dude. So it, I'm down well, for that. It's just it's just the fact that there's all these people literally underneath the stairs, 
and they they can't get out or they don't want to get out and they kind of it'll take you down there as well i want to i want to do mine and then come back to yours so cool the movie that i want to talk about is from dusk till dawn and if you haven't seen this movie it is a very twisted kind of it has i'm going to spoil it. It, it you think it's one film and then it turns out to be something completely different so mm-hmm. about midway or three quarters of the way through you think it's a um kidnap movie where you've got two guys two um, men who kidnap a family but they've um done a robbery themselves they've got all this money and they're using the family to get across the border into mexico so they board the family's um, motorhome and hide out in it and force the family to take them over the border so they're meant to be meeting up with some other guys at this bar called the Titty Twister. And they take the family there just as insurance. But they're kind of like, we're, we're at the end of the road. We're going to let you go. We just need to wait for our friends. We're going to this bar. Biker bar, that is. You've got like flames shooting at us stuff outside. You've got this guy introducing you to the, to the bar in a really kind of lewd and disgusting kind of way. And then you go in. It, it's just crazy bananas. And then some Hayek comes out. I think every every dude that's seen this film is like Summer Hayek's in it. They forget about the whole movie. They, think they remember that Summer Hayek's in it because she comes out and she does this dance. But right at the end of her dance, that's where pretty much the film just turns into something else. And um, I'm I'm gonna play a clip from the aftermath. I'm just gonna let this scene kind of tell you what happened. Here you go. And apologies for all the swearing here as well. We got a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. And that's it, plain and simple. And I don't want to hear anything about, I don't believe in vampires. Because I don't fucking believe in vampires. But I believe in my own two eyes. And what I saw is fucking vampires. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? Yes. You too, preacher? I don't believe in vampires, but I believe in what I saw. Good for you. All right, now that we all agree that we're dealing with vampires, what do we know about vampires? Crosses hurt vampires. Do we have a cross? In the motor home. In other words, no. Wait a second. I mean, just look around. We got crosses all over the place. All you got to do is put two sticks together. You got a cross. They managed to survive the first wave of vampires, and all of the vampires attack the bikers that are in the bar. Everyone's getting their necks bitten, heads bitten off whatever and it's just a total melee of vampire biker and just people trying to stay alive and it's the family that are left over um the dad as well uh george clooney's character his brother who's quentin tarantino in the movie he's he's been bitten he got turned and a couple of other guys um one of them's called sex machine (laughs) left over so and that scene is them realizing hang on a minute there are vampires and that's what the film just it just goes because i remember watching it for the first time i was like i was thinking this this kidnap heist burglary rubber whatever movies going on for quite a while how's it going to end and it just goes from kind of manageable to just outlandishly crazy and i loved it i just oh yeah it took me by surprise first time around i think that that is probably one of one of my favorite, I think it's Robert Rodriguez directed it. One of my favorite movies from him. Oh, I love. I'm a I'm a Quentin fan, so of course I love Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. But it's it's fun. It's kind of the same cast of characters that Quentin deals with. Quentin likes. He has Cheech Marin. He's like always the bartender. Yeah. He um he loves Harvey Keitel. He's had him in several of his movies, and you can just kind of tell with the dialogue 
the dialogue because that's that's very much Quinn. He's a, his dialogue is always fun. Mm. And then of course Sama Hayek is in that movie for like five of the greatest minutes in film <laughs> history. Like it's she comes out and you're like, uh, uh, it's 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 like when she because she's in Desperado and it's yeah. the same thing. You've seen Desperado when she walks across the street. The first time you see her, you're like, wow. And it's the same thing with From Dust Till Dawn. She comes out because she is obviously gorgeous. She's amazing. But the movie is just fun. George Clooney gets to curse all he wants. Yes, I should have I I warned people about that. Sorry. Oh, he's just fucked. He just gets to say everything that he wants. Harvey Keitel, who curses anyway. Yeah. Uh, Juliette Lewis, I'm pretty sure she's in there. Um, it's It's fun. It's a fun vampire movie. And it's not the super happy ending, no. but it's the ending. And you get what you get. But I love it. I remember waiting for it to come out on DVD or VHS so that I could buy because oh, I wanted okay. to watch it. I saw it in theater. I used to work in a movie store and we used to sell in DVDs and VHS. And yeah. I was like, I'm saving up. And when it comes, I'm buying it. I love that movie. I really, oh my God, so much fun. So much fun. All right. I'm going to, I'm not going to take up any time and steal your thunder. I'm going to let you talk about your next movie. So I think it was. Purple so Rain. the next movie is Purple Rain, right? Yeah. Yeah, Purple Rain. All right, so Purple Rain with arguably the greatest performer artist of the last 50, 60 years, Prince. Pretty much a film that's semi-autobiographical that he wrote. He did the music. It's it's him, and it's ridiculous. It's at, I think he's, I'm not sure if he's one of the first people, but at one point he had the number one movie, the number one album, and the number one song in the United States all at the same time. Wow. This man is, the, the talent is, is just, it's unreal. I mean, I don't think he wrote the script on his own, but it's pretty yeah. much his story. So he definitely is one of the, one of the screenwriters, but to do the music, to just the whole, it's the Minneapolis, you know, band scene. So it, it fits. And it fits him and he's not the greatest of actors but yeah. it's such a good movie and the performances the performances especially the one that i think we're gonna hear something about at the end yeah the, the quintessential prince song which is purple rain so i i got the i managed to find what looks like the original footage the audio from the original footage oh. of that movie okay so if it's not if it's not like super high quality for people who are listening That's now fine. for for, for the for the, no, for the ears good. of 2022 um right. but this is the original so here you go seen this movie 
you know that that performance at the end is the culmination of everything. It's his life, his father, he's got, he's in an abusive home. His father at towards the end is in the hospital. Something happened to him. He's dealing with this girl that he met at the club that he likes. He's also trying to fight for his position at the club because okay. his club is popping, but they didn't just let anybody perform. Right. You had to maintain your spot. So in this movie, the time is in there and they're performing, they're kicking butt in other bands. But the end is him dropping a performance that solidifies that that club belongs to him and his band. And it's an emotional performance. The crowd, the crowd who was a little shaky with him mm. officially turns <laughs> and they join the kid. And after Purple Rain, then it's even more. Then it's Baby, I'm a Star, I Would Die For You. The soundtrack is ridiculous. The movie's amazing. The soundtrack is just fire. So, okay. it's Prince, man. I, I listen, I can't, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to say that any of what you just said is not true. It's all, tr- it's all the truth. Um, right. I'm not going to try and downplay what, how, you're, how you're bigging him up because mm-hmm. I, don't know, I know for a fact I've been listening to Prince tunes for the longest time. I think I, think I was more introduced to Prince um, later on because people were sampling his music. And I'm the type of person, I'll hear a song and I'll look it up. And then I'll find out from looking it up that it's somebody else's song. And I wanted to hear the original. And when I hear the original, I'm like, oh, the original is so much better. So much better. And I listen to the original instead. Oh, he's written. Oh, he's written so many. Oh, he's written music all across music, no matter the genre. He's been making money left and right. I mean, it's stuff like Manic Monday by the Bangles. That's a a Prince song. He wrote that. Um, Nothing Compares to You. Sinead O'Connor sang that. He wrote that. I could go there. There's got to be a bunch of girlfriend that Alicia Keys did on her first album, but I'm pretty sure it's him. Okay. It's he's done so much that you think you listen to somebody else. Shaka Khan. Was it? Um, I forgot. Oh, I can't think song. That was probably one of her more popular ones when she was solo. Yeah. He wrote that. And then he'll come back and he'll sing it later, but he's an epic songwriter. Epic songwriter. So yeah, you've been listening to Prince and you didn't know it half the time. Yeah. 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 You're right. I'm, I'm just looking at, I'm looking it up now. You've mm-hmm. got, um, yeah, you're right. You've got Sugar Walls, uh, A Private Heaven, Yo Mister, Be Yourself, Stand Back, The Wild Heart. You've got When You Were Mine, She's So Unusual, When Doves Cry, In Purple Rain, Nasty Girl, Vanity Six. Mm-hmm. The list goes on and on. I'm, I'm, Sheila E too. I'm scrolling, e, scrolling, scrolling. Drummers, he wrote her stuff. Really? Yeah, he's, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, crazy. And there was stuff, he wrote stuff for people, but he also didn't want everybody to know. So a lot of times he would write songs for people, but he'd do it under a different name. So that, you know, he had different pen names. So there's stuff, he had so much music that he put so much music out. Yeah. He was just kind of flooding you with it. But then he would hand off stuff to other people that he's so, so good. And on top of that, a self-taught, but he can play pretty much every instrument. Yeah. Like he's one of the greatest guitarists of all time. But was, I don't think was trained. He was, he learned. That man could literally play every instrument on the song. He's a more modern day Stevie Wonder in that he could play everything and write everything. Amazing. You were, you were thinking of uh, Chaka Khan's I Feel For You. I Feel For You. I couldn't think of that. Yes. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Such a great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I remember that. <laughs> oh, yes. So, like, I, we, could, oh. we could talk about Prince all day. But I got, I got I gotta we'll move us on. I gotta move us on. We we might even circle back to him later on, but I, I gotta Oh yeah. I gotta I keep like this train can, rolling. 
So I'm gonna cut, I'm gonna hit you back with one of mine, and that is The Dark Knight by, and it's a film that was directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars Christian mm-hmm. Bell and um, Heath Ledger, who's not with us anymore. Right. And that movie, by far, it's one of the better Batman films that I've seen. I know people will disagree. I know you might disagree, but that is by far for me one of the the best Batman movies in the franchise because when I watched it, even though I knew when he came on 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 scene and when he came in into the frame, who was playing the character, the Joker, I couldn't I couldn't see the actor. All I was seeing was the Joker. He, he did it so good. He embodied the character so well that there was no kind of like you know that Christian Bell is playing the Batman, you know right. that um, Chief Gordon is being played by Gary Oldman. You you, you know right. that you can see that Gary Oldman's playing that part. You couldn't see that Heath Ledger was it, this. You know what I mean? You couldn't see it. So that's you what was- made that film so much better than some of its predecessors and some of the films that came after it. But I do think that the way that it was shot, the um, the way that they did the, um, the dialogue, the way that the scenes and the tone of the scene, even down to the, the color scheme that they had in the movie, just made it just a little bit better than, than most of the stuff that they'd done previously. So, and even the the, um, the Batmobile was like, it was a massive car. <laughs> it was, yes, it was. The Tumbler. It definitely was. It was huge. It was. It yeah. was huge. It was huge. I think with the bat with Batman movies, and it been several, obviously a lot of them. But the key, what what's happened with that with that film is that it's got maybe the greatest villain of mm-hmm. all time. Yeah. yeah. In the Joker, and it's so it's a layered but purely evil person. So to play it, you have to really get in there. And it's one of the if people have played that part over and over again because it's quintessential to Batman's story. There's more to it than just what the movie show. He has a long running feud, obviously, with the Joker. Yep. So much so that they've done a movie of just about the Joker. Yeah. It's important. But somebody else played it, I think, a little bit better. And I think we okay. may end up talking whoa, about Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you go there, I gotta play my clip. Don't, don't be trying to That's don't what's be, up. hey listen. <laughs> it's my time right now, you know. You better That's back up. up back up, back up, back up. <laughs> so I'm gonna play this clip. It's not one of my favorite clips, but it's a really telling clip from the movie where basically Batman and the Joker, they've been battling for parts of the movie and it's um, Batman finally catches up with him, but the Joker has an ace up his sleeve and it's a really, really, really good ace and I'll play it for you now. You didn't think I'd risk losing the battle for Gotham's soul in a fist fight with you. You need an ace in the hole. Mine's Harvey. What did you do? I took Gotham's white knight, and I brought him down to our level. It wasn't hard. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's a great film. There's no question. It's a good movie, aside from the fact that it's a superhero movie. Yeah. And Heath Ledger dove into that character. He absolutely leaned in. 100%. But it's because it's the Joker. That's the key. The Joker was such 
usually really good villains are really intelligent and that's what he was he was smart and he knew how to use bruce wayne batman's good against him and that's why it always worked well and that's why this movie was great too but don't you didn't you find that the way that the joker in this um in the dark knight he came across as though i mean batman's got billions he's got the gadgets the joker just had a suit a knife and maybe the odd bomb or two like it, they made they made it so that he was just he just ba- he did all of this on a budget almost he's like he's just basic ba- he did, it wasn't like he rolled in right. there it wasn't like he i mean we don't know we i mean we don't know if he had a backing or he had money whatever but the notion that i got from this joker was that he just wanted to create chaos and he right. did it in a very basic simplistic kind of way he got people to fear him really easily like the, the scene where he's with all the gangsters and mm-hmm. he makes the, the pencil disappear into the guy's face you know do you know, mm-hmm. do you know little things yeah. like that like it it, mm-hmm. it just gave, kind of gave you the, the air that he is crazy deranged but super intelligent at the same time oh yes and yes and that's typically the way it is the people who are really that crazy tend to have a lot of intelligence and just using it for the wrong reasons another reason i love this movie is literally in the title batman in his essence is dark obviously his creation comes from the death of his parents and all that so the movie is filmed dark a lot and i think i love that in the original one the same thing whenever you get batman it's dark scenes Mm. like he's never really in light he's never really happy he never really is. He's always in this darkness. And that's why it fits. This movie, it's so good. He's just using human nature against each, yep. against us. That's what he does. He doesn't have to do much. Just like he says, just a little push. <laughs> All right. I, I, know, I know I'll cut you off earlier, but I know you're itching. <laughs> and I, and I'll, I've got a clip for you too. I know you're itching, so I'm going to back up. I'm going to back okay. up and back off. All right. So while Heath Ledger was a very good Joker. So good, in fact, that he won an Oscar for it. So we're not going to diminish his performance. He was quite good. The best. But let us not forget that the Batman movie, like the real one, yeah. not the campy one that was made with Adam West in the 60s and stuff, but in, I think, 89, I'm not sure what year is when this Batman comes out with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. Mm-hmm. That is it. He is evil. He is dark. He is hilarious. He is all that wrapped into one. He starts off as one guy, changes, and then you give him the makeup. He's a whole new guy, but he's evil nonetheless. There is no question. This Everybody who has played that part has been trying to match that. Yep. And I love this movie. I love the original Batman. I agree. I begrudgingly agree. <laughs> I still, I still have my 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 uh, opinions, and I'm gonna hold fast to them. But I can be, you know, I, I I can kind of come off my pedestal. I can get off that soapbox, and I can say, yeah, I, I agree. Jack Nicholson's Batman, sorry, Jack, Jack Nicholson's Joker, sorry, was a very, very, very good Joker. And I've I've got a little clip lined up for you as well. You ready? Let's hear. Right, yes, let's sir. Go. Let's go. <laughs> I am the world's first fully functioning homicidal artist. What do you want? My face on the one dollar bill. You must be joking. Do I look like I'm joking? No. Listen, 
we mustn't compare ourselves to regular people. We're artists. For instance, let me challenge you with a little piece I did. Bob, Alicia, you will take pictures and record my work. You will join me in the avant-garde of the new aesthetic. Jack, you said I could watch you improve the paintings. Oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> Why is she wearing a mask? Well, she's just a sketch, really. Alicia, sit down. Show the lady why you wear the mask. You see, Miss Vale, Alicia's been rambling on and on. Yeah, I remember seeing that the first time and thinking, whoa. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. She takes off the mask and, you, yeah, he's, he's an evil dude. Oh, he is. For me, because I love movies and I love Jack Nicholson, for me, the evil that he really portrays in this movie is reminiscent to another movie that he did that I love. Mm-hmm. It's The Shining. Yes. If you've seen him in The yeah. Shining, he it builds, the evil with him builds until he's just crazed. And that's the kind of craze that I feel when you see him in this movie. I think he's the star of that Batman. And the movie's about Batman, but he's the star. But the character is so important that even when it's played in cartoons, I don't know if you've watched the Batman, yeah. watched the yeah, yeah, yeah. animated Batman. Yeah. Mark Hamill pl- is the one who does the voice for the Joker. Mm-hmm. You got it's Luke Skywalker doing the voice <laughs> of of the Joker. It's a, it's a monster character, and everybody tries to do it. I think Jared Leto did it too. Oh, People not well done. Not well. I'm telling you, it for me, it's Jack, and Heath is like a close second, but Jack is the predecessor to me. Yeah. In movies, yeah. he's the one. I love it. But you it, love it too. It's okay. No, no, hey, 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 hey! Don't don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> but, but I, I just because you mentioned Mark Hamill, who, as you said, played Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars movies. He people don't. Not a lot of people know when they watch some of the cartoons that it's him doing his voicing his voice in the Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, he's voicing the Joker. And mm-hmm. I've seen pretty much nearly. Well, I'm gonna say it. Nearly every single animated Batman movie, cartoon. Um, I've pretty much seen all the new school ones from, say, the 90s up and up. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of the older, older ones because I don't really enjoy the animation. But they've made yeah. some that are reminiscent of, like, um, manga style, um, okay. sort of anime. Um, I don't know. They've done some newer ones, even, that are just really good. They've got one, one called um, Batman and the Red Hood. Um, Batman, uh, Bad Blood, where his son's in it, Damien. But the, whenever the Joker's in it, it's usually Mark Hamill, and there's yep. usually something horrible happening to one of the characters. <laughs> and it's just his voice, just his, yeah. just the way he does his voice as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Just it, you're, it's it's a believable, and it's a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. He he evokes yeah for somebody who played such a clean and you know happy-go-lucky part in mm. star wars to then turn around and do it and if you've ever seen him there's a video of him when he actually does it when he's doing the voiceovers for yeah him. he even has this look i mean he's an actor obviously so yeah. his look he looks i feel like i'm seeing the joker in his face when he's saying <laughs> when he's reading the lines it's it's fantastic it's a kind of part that just allows you to run with it he's a he, joker's a fantastic part well true i agree I'm gonna I'm gonna take us to our last movie. You're gonna round us out, and okay. I've got a clip for everybody. But I want you to talk to me a little bit about it. All right, the last movie is my favorite movie of all time, the greatest movie 
of all time. It is called The Godfather, as if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Screenwriter, actually, the person who wrote the book, it's a book first, Mario Puzo. Yep. He's the author of the book. He also wrote the screenplay for the first Superman. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. right. Yes, he did, didn't so, he? And they have a little connection because one of the stars of The Godfather is Marlon Brando. Mm. And Marlon Brando is the father in Superman. Yes. So there's a little connection there. But either way, the single greatest mafia film ever made, storytelling, character-driven, quotes, every gangster movie since has been attempting to be The Godfather. And some have come close. Casino is good. Goodfellas is good. Once Upon a Time in America, there's some good ones, but nothing touches this movie. The performances are epic. Mm. And it's three hours, but it goes by like that. You don't feel it. I know I don't feel it. I love that movie. I'm gonna need to I need to watch it again. <laughs> and then watch it again. And then watch part two, because part two is maybe it's arguably the greatest movie ever made, too. The second one is almost better than the first, which okay. rarely ever happens with trilogies. Rarely. Alright. So I'm I've got I've got your segment, your little clip lined up. And right. it's the bit where arguably uh, Michael Corleone takes over. Right. You, you start to see him coming up as, you know, a lead in this in this right. particular um, group of characters. So, let me play this. Can't wait. I don't care what Celeste says about a deal. He's going to kill Pop. That's it. That's a key for him. Got to get Celeste. Mike is right. Well, let me ask you something, Russ. I mean, what about this McCluskey? Huh? What do we do with this copy? They want to have a meeting with me, right? It will be me, McCluskey, and Salazzo. Let's set the meeting. Get our informers to find out where it's going to be held. Now, we insist it's a public place, a bar, a restaurant, some place where there's people so I feel safe. They're going to search me when I first meet them, right? So I can't have a weapon on me then. But if Clemenza can figure a way to have a weapon planted there for me, then I'll kill them both. Aye. Whew. <laughs> this movie is obviously about it's storytelling, but it's a, it's really character-driven. So if you haven't seen this movie, Marlon Brando, Godfather, and then he has kids. Mafia head, they run the show, they do whatever. Al Pacino's character, who's Michael, mm-hmm. doesn't want to be a part of that. He doesn't want to. He pretty much rebels. They're in America. He wants to be American. He doesn't want to be part of the Cosa Nostra. He doesn't want to be part of the mafia. So he steps away. He goes away. He signs up for the military and leaves. So he's not part of it. But above all things, he loves his father. He's back in town. Somebody tries to kill his father. And against his nature, and it's innate in him, what you're literally hearing is the switch from innocent bystander to willing participant in what the family business is. The fact that they even have him talk it out the planning <laughs> is literally him switching from good guy to non-villain. He's like, and I'll kill them both. And if you watch the movie, they literally laugh at him 
after. Yes. Sonny, his brother, yeah, yeah, laughs yeah. at him after he says it. But it's literally that moment. Be like, okay, now he's the man. And then, of course, he does what he does. And then the rest of it is just storytelling and it's finest. But it's... Oh, God. <laughs> I could watch this movie over and over. I might have to watch it again today. I, might, I could probably act it out if I have to. Uh, it's a problem. I'm, I'm sure they got it on Netflix over here. I'm going to give it a look. Oh, no. I've got it on DVD and VHS. I'm safe. If I want to watch okay. it, I'll All right. it out. <laughs> it's not about you, though. It's about me. <laughs> I'm trying to watch it over here, but no, I I just wanna I wanna thank you for I mean that is it that's that's our movies it's all done I wanna thank you for talking about your movies and basically just having a bit of fun really I mean we started with yeah. the Sandlot which was pretty much a kids movie and then we went on to something super heavy at the end with Godfather so it's been a bit of a a trek a bit of a journey yes sir yes sir I think. I didn't think about it till afterwards that these movies, there's kind of a, I don't know, they kind of run, there's kind of a timeline that runs through the three of them. Mm-hmm. Sandlot, obviously, kids movie, baseball, stuff that I love, but it's really about kids and their relationships with adults. Yep. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Purple Rain, let's just say it's that same kid, but he's older now. Tough relationship with his father. He's trying to figure out what to do in his life. He's trying to live. It's a struggle. He kind of gets redemption. Then you go into The Godfather, where the main character really is Michael, mm. where he's fighting against what's been kind of thrust on him, but finally realizes that this is what it is. Good or bad, this is what I am. And while I was thinking about that, I kind of realized that, shameless plug, all this kind of works into my podcast, yep. which is called Men of the Prize. My podcast is strictly men talking about their issues, their struggles, how they grew up what trauma they dealt with, whether they had somebody to talk to or they didn't, what happened when they didn't have an outlet, how did they live dealing, being a man and having certain expectations and what happens if they weren't being what people expected them to be. This movie, the movies kind of fit. How do I, what do I do as a man? Who can I talk to? Because men typically don't have a person Mm. to talk to. Yeah. We typically don't have that voice. So that's what this podcast is. It is men using their voice to talk about their struggles one to kind of get it out but two to help other men what do i do and every man has a different situation we're not all the same so it's an opportunity for men to open up what did i need when i was a kid why didn't i get it and a lot of times these men become what they needed when they were growing up i didn't have a shoulder to cry on they become one for their child I was abused growing up. I am now fighting for the abuse. What you have is life kind of creates you, good or bad. But being able to talk about it and express it is what I do with Men of the Prize podcast. And it's hard because it's something we men don't typically do. I ask some questions and I'm hoping for answers where you kind of have to look into yourself and question yourself. But at the same time, praise yourself and recognize that you've made it through some real struggles. Typically, typically, um, and I know this to be true. Um, I mean, a lot of us, and it's a lot. There are a lot of us. We don't, we don't tend to. We might say a little bit of something, but we won't kind of go in depth about the things that are really kind of on our minds or kind of bringing us down. And it is a shame. And I know that recently, more men have begun to 
you know, speak up, speak out and let themselves be heard. But there's still like, still so many others who ball it up and kind of keep it in and don't talk about it. Or, or it could be that they've got other outlets, um, some of them not all good. Um, and that's, that's the dangerous part. It's like, you're not talking, you've got an outlet, but the outlet's affecting you, it's harming you, it's harming people around you. So right. those aren't necessarily good things. But then you've got other, other guys who, they don't necessarily talk, but they've got other outlets, whether it's physical or um, emotional, but it's helping other people. It's, you know, it's a sort of benefit to society. And then you got other guys who just don't talk about anything, you know. Right, right. And they're that's the ones, that's, yeah, they're, yeah. Hard to, they're harder to reach. They haven't got an that's outlet. Right. They haven't got an outlet, good or bad. It's just bottled up, bottled mm-hmm. up, bottled up. And then one day, right. it, you know, it just takes everyone by surprise. Right. You know, and that's what we're trying yeah, to... We're not, we're not raised that way. No. We have to consider we're not raised to express what's going on. We're not raised to talk, to talk about the problems we're having. We're taught to man up rub some dirt on it, get up, Mm. move on. Mm. But we have issues, struggles like women do, like anybody else. And I think the difference between women and men is we aren't really allowed to say I'm scared or I'm struggling or I don't know what to do or I don't feel confident or, you know, I'm scared because I may grow up alone and nobody's going to like me or all these things, all these fears that we have, but we're not supposed to definitely to be, we definitely don't allow ourselves as well. Yeah, exactly. So if we have nobody to talk to, we keep it. And then I think that's what eventually leads to the toxic masculinity term, which I'm never a fan of it, but I'm hoping with this podcast, opening up, allowing men to open up, to understand what's good, what they're going through. Other men can hear it and do the same. And even if it leads, I mean, I'd love to have everybody on talking, but if it leads to men kind of realizing, you know, I went through that and that guy made it, I can too. I think that's the point. It's supposed to be, I can, um, it's imperative that we understand ourselves so that we can live through this life because life is hard enough already. We don't need this extra bag. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. But I'm going to make sure that people can find you. Um, as always, I'm going to put the description for your podcast and every info, any other and any other information that you have in the episode description, and I'm gonna make sure that um, this when this gets out, this comes out. I'm gonna plug it in as many different places as possible, and I'm gonna stick it in some Facebook groups where it's just mostly dudes. As well. I appreciate it. All the, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. But thanks, thanks for coming on, and I will be talking to you again soon. Actually. Okay. You didn't know that. All right. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, surprise, okay. surprise. Yeah, that's right. Yes. All right. <laughs> that was it. It was worth it. I appreciate the time. I can always talk about movies. If you, you know, if you need a guest, I can come up with some more movies that we can talk. I'm always down to discuss. Them. Good. 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 All right, sir. You take care. Um, and I will be always speaking to you again soon. All right. You will.